Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Amen. Well, Glory family, you guys can have a seat It is so good to have each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, You can always tell, right, when July 4th is around the corner. Uh, Not only that, you want to pray for for our church. We had a lot of people who are out sick this week, and they're continuing, obviously, today out sick. I saw some of them commenting on Facebook already. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We have many who wish they could be here but are sick at home. We got those who who are with family for 4th of July. I hope you guys have fun tomorrow, but be be safe. Uh, Be safe. Uh, My name is Greg McKinney. My wife, you already got to meet her if you were here earlier. Uh, We we are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and I'm excited. This morning, um, we are in, just to prep you, 1 Samuel 17, and then you'll need to flip because then we're going to sort of end in Psalm 9. So that's where we're going today, and like I told you, what I'm excited is every single chronological life event that you've probably heard about from David probably has a psalm attached to it, and uh, that's the exciting thing is we're looking at David's life uh, from a child all the way up to his death, and we're going we're gonna to tackle some of those key moments and look at the songs he is singing, because I told you last week, uh, I want to develop as a church a heart of worship heart of worship that says when our culture is doing this, we will still sing songs to the Lord. When, our, when there's a, a time of, of, of need, I will sing to the Lord who answers that need. When, when it's time to, to cry out in pain, I will follow suit and do it to the Lord. Uh, because David, at every turn, seems to turn lamenting into a praise, uh, seems to, to not just complain, but he directs everything to the Lord. And I think that's why Scripture said he's a man after God's own heart. That's not something just special for David and David alone. We, as Christ followers, have been redeemed by him. And as we chase the heart of God, we have a heart that's after God. Like, that's the beauty of this. And so I, as a church, I want to have a heart that is after the Lord. And as promised, uh, we are sitting in a psalm that uh, you probably have read, but have never realized that it was originated. Pieces of it have begun. Uh, Many uh, theologians think that David began writing this all the way back when he was a pipsqueak with a sling. The David and Goliath story, many people think that this is when David wrote this. Now, you'll see at the end of it, as it keeps going, he adds many other battles, but the beginning of it, I'm really excited because uh, God made this really vulnerably real for me this week. Um, So as we get into it, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to get a little vulnerable for you, all right? Let you know those who are brand new, you're like, who is this guy on the stage? Uh, Hopefully, you'll see that I'm I am a normal, average guy, um, but those of you who've known me, I, I want you to know, church, that this week was a hard week for me. It really was. On Wednesday, I texted some guys who are in my life, and I just asked them to pray, and it was like 4 a.m. when I texted some of them, um, but on Wednesday morning, I woke up at about 
2.30 in the morning. Anyone ever do this? And you wake up, and if, if you wake up before 3, sometimes you just can't get back to sleep. Anyone? Anyone with me? No? No one else? Cool. Uh, well, when I wake up, and I, for some reason, in my mind comes everything that needs to be done, that's not done, that should be done, that isn't done well enough, and it just spirals. Well, this particular one, I, I, it was bad. Normally, I can, like, control this. I hand them over to the Lord, and I'm like, uh, I have, like, a, a series of prayer that I just try to pray to get anxiety away. And nothing was working, and I was just anxious. And from 2.33 in the morning all the way till 6.30, I was awake and just heavy. I could not, could not shake it or anything. The Lord gave me a, well, I will say the Lord gave me a, an imagery, a little vision while this was happening. But I chose to uh, take it as more reason to be anxious. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll explain this vision for you, uh, but I will also let you know that it was a means for me to even feel more anxious. And I just kept spiraling. I kept spiraling. So this is what it was. I, I, I was in bed and I was thinking of all the things that need to, need to get done. And if you know me, normally I think of like the building, very practical stuff. But I was stressing out about our people. Uh, I don't know why. I just woke up really anxious about our church, about our people, about the, the believers in our city. And it just was hitting me um, really hard. So th- this was the imagery. You know when you uh, walk in, let's say to the kitchen, and you look down on the ground and you see that line of ants. And you're like, why are there ants in my kitchen? And they're in this beautiful little line and they're all holding their things and they're all doing well and they're just going. And so I see the ants walking, and then I see this massive foot. And if you've ever done that, you like doing that, and you just slide, and you break the line that they're in. Anyone else? No one's a murderer like me. Uh, and you just slide, and you break the line. And the moment you break the line, the ones in the, in the behind start getting chaotic, right? And, and some go this way, some go that way, and they break the line while this line keeps going. I saw ants. I saw a large foot hit. And then it was like everyone behind the foot just went their own way and were scattered and were really affected by the power of the foot. And as they really, so some, and there's just little groups over here, there's groups over here, some went in isolation, some went other, other places while the other line kept going. And I, being anxious, was like seeing all how I have been acting uh, trying to turn the line around and me individually trying to find all of the little groups of ants to make sure, hey, we're all together. And I just, I was, you know, I needed this, this person is this, these are these people, and I need to go, and, then, and I just, right? Anyone, you connect with me? Just spiraling down in anxiety. And then I start feeling anxious for the fact that all of those poor ants following the leader who is now going there, 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 there are going to get burnt out. And then it's, and I was just, I was spiraling, guys. I was spiraling. I want you to know that I believe fully that every single one of us has been affected by a giant foot in your path. And whether it's the path right behind you, and now you're affected because you, 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 don't, you don't know who you're supposed to lead, some of you, you feel the call to lead, but you're looking behind and, you, and you're like, is there anyone to lead? And so you just, you keep following because that's all you know what to do is you keep, 
And there's others of you that the foot happened and it was in your workplace and you got fired and you think I got I got to do all these things. So you take an extra shift and you're, you're just on your own while things just keep moving. And you can't go back to that because like people are going to are going to wonder why you're, you haven't been in the line, why you haven't been a part of it. And there's others of you that 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 step was a temptation that you got into and you shouldn't have done it and you know you shouldn't have and you told yourself you weren't going to do it, but that step happened and now you feel like you don't you don't belong in the line. And so you're over here. Others of you, you didn't like the step that that line took because it was too uncomfortable. So you and the three others behind you started going over here. And you're like, I, we can go over here because there's some issues that that line went on. And I'm not willing to stop over those because I'm just not there yet. And so we're over here. But when, you know, it gets comfortable again, I'll come back. And so there's a lot of stepping. There's a lot of stepping. Giant footprint. And I was feeling so anxious. Like, God, how do I do it? And of course, me as a, uh, as a man, you, you know me, I do, try to do too much. And I'm like, I, I shot myself in the foot, right? The foot. Shot myself in the foot. I should have, you know, had more leaders that can, can go and get all these people who are on the outside. It's all my foot. And I just, I'm spiraling. We are all, whether we want to agree with it or not, affected by a foot in our path. Anyone? Anyone feel it? Affected by a, put, a foot in your path. God, I thought you were doing this, and now I don't know what. I feel like I'm like back to square one. How many times do you feel it? I feel like this has just happened. I don't know what's going on. America right now feels like a big foot in, in, in your path. And you're, I don't know how to keep going. And all of this is very interestingly connected to the story of David and Goliath. And I was not willing to admit it until I got myself out of this little rut. I mean, no joke, Wednesday happened and my body shut down. Wednesday at about 4 p.m., I had like a 101 fever. My head was like, Greg, you're not allowed to think anymore, so stop. And I was just like, I can't think. And so I stayed in bed all night. Uh, and, and finally, like 10 p.m., I was just like, God, this was my prayer in bed. Like, God, I can't even think. I had to talk out loud. My head hurts so bad. If you like take my headache away, I will just, I will just say thank you over and over and over. That's all I'll say. And I just remember like saying that and like 10 p.m. came about and my headache was gone and I slept like a baby. And I was just like, I was crying those little baby cries like, dad, you see me, you know, those kind of things. And then the whole next day I was, I was nowhere to be found. I stayed at home. Kate said, you better not do anything. And so I stayed at home and it just was good. It was good. I'm learning how to rest, guys, because uh, that foot, it's not mine to fight. That foot isn't yours to fight. That foot isn't yours to figure out how to be better than. That foot isn't yours to, to give glory to. Uh, sometimes when we only respond to the foot, we're, we're, we're giving glory to it. You know what I mean? When we respond to that thing, we're giving... So, I'm setting you up very well to what uh, the Israelites were feeling because we come into the story and see this giant, you get it, Not, he doesn't have a foot, that's, that's giant, the guy is giant, and he is saying a lot of things to the Israelites. We come into this story, but we don't realize that this, this ongoing battle happened for years. 
the Philistine army and the Jewish army were constantly at war way before the king ever came into place, way before Saul was ever anointed, and the Israelites were historically oppressed by the Philistines. Constantly Philistines stepped onto their parade. Constantly it happened, and there was this cycle of oppression that the Israelites kept falling into. These words like, kept coming to me that I just feel you probably feel at least one of them. Oppression, affliction, isolation, insecurity. And so they, and all of those are like a beautiful, you know, sibling to fear. Fear comes with isolation, right? Fear comes with those insecurities. Fear with the affliction. Fear is, is such a good brother to oppression. And all of the Israelites were feeling this. And before all of Goliath was, was on, on the scene, the Philistines were oppressing. They were there. They were inciting fear. And I wrote a few things down. People were reacting in their flesh like ants. They were running into various directions. Uh, Israel was shook. And when you're in place, in this place, I just want you to like think of if this is you. When you're in a place of fear, like me, you don't know how to not stop thinking. Anyone else? When you're in a place of fear, you don't know how to not stop, like to, to stop yourself from responding. When you're in a place of fear, some of you, you do not know how to not fight, right? When you're in a place of fear, you do not know how to not assume the worst. When you're in a place of fear, you don't know how to not doubt. You don't know how to keep, uh, to keep those walls down. You keep rising them up. When you're in a place, some of you, the reason that foot has happened and the reason you won't come back is because you've got walls so high, you've built and when you're in a place of fear, you don't know how to keep those down. You don't know how to not complain when you're in a place of fear. You don't know how to not worry. You don't know how to not keep going, right, when that foot happens. And all of this, we see David coming on to the battlefield with a different attitude. All right, we're about to open this up and what he speaks. But I just want, want to preface this. David comes onto the battlefield, and he is a young man. He, he could be anywhere from 15 to 25, anywhere in that, that range. I'm not, you Google it and people have all the opinions. So I'll just, that 10-year gap, there you go. And he came in with a different, instead of fear, he had this immense faith. Instead of giving glory to the, the foot, the giant, he, he was already walking in knowing like, my God is greater than that giant. And that's a hard thing to say. My God is greater than this instant that just happened. My God is greater than this setback. My God is great. But he's walking on already knowing this. And it's interesting because he didn't, you'll see this, he didn't fit the weight that Saul's army, the, the weight that Saul's armor put on him. He didn't fit it. That expectation that Saul's armor had of David didn't meet it. He didn't look like a king. The expectation that the people had, I mean, he was, he was looked at like his, at his brothers and misunderstood. All of this happened. He was, he was made fun of by his own people. He comes onto the scene very similarly to our, our Messiah, right? He does with a different attitude. He didn't fit the expectations that the world was putting on him, right? He didn't fit the expectations that, of what a king's armor should, should bear, right? He didn't fit... 
He, he, was, he was made fun of by his brothers. He was cast out by, by those who were supposed to be his people. Like already David walks in and, and is in the place of what soon will be our Savior. And it's really cool. Both of them knew that the, the father was going to hand them a giant. That the father was going to deliver over to them a giant. And that they would, by his power, be able to cut its head off. Literally. The, the father would deliver Goliath to David, and notice he's not dead yet until David cuts his head off, right? He stabs him, cuts him. The father, you look it up, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. The, the head goes in, but then it says he stabbed him and he was dead, and then he cut his head off. The father handed over sin and death to Jesus, and Jesus has the power to kill it. It's so beautiful when we look at this this way. But the whole story, it keeps going. We're going to open up, if you will, to 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start it at verse 45. Because this whole thing that's playing out, David is pointing at something else. People are reacting to the, the giant. David is choosing to respond to something else. He says, uh, it says, David said to the Philistine, hey, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air. Like, he's just fighting words for a little 15-year-old, and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. Now, I'll pause quickly. Uh, this word assembly that I highlighted, uh, it, it's really cool. I just, this is just a, a fun thing to show you that this is not a, uh, an army guy talking battle. This is a, uh, this wording right here, assembly, is not an army word. That is a church word. That is a temple word. That is a congregation of worshipers word. It's really cool. So when David is presenting himself to Goliath, he's not coming as, an, as a person who is about to do army, like to do war. <laughs> Sorry, you do army. Uh, to do war. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, he's coming as a person ready to do praise, like to ready to sacrifice, ready to bring this place of, as an altar for the Lord. He, it's really cool. So all of the assembly will know that there is one God, that he is here here, that he is there, and that the Lord will give him, give this Philistine to us. And so it continues. It says, when the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line and met the Philistine. It said, David put his hand in his bag. He took out the stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into the forehead, and he fell down, on, face down, on the ground. It says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. But then it says again, and it's just confused. It says, he, then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grabbed the sword, he drew it out of a sheath, and he killed him. There's like two deaths happening here. Why does it say that twice? Isn't that interesting? killed him, 
and then he cut his head off with it. It's this beautiful opportunity that David has to partner with the Lord in what he's doing. This beautiful opportunity that Jesus has on the cross to partner with the Father in what he's doing. Death happens, and Jesus is the victor. Death happens, and David is the victor. It's just this beautiful imagery. The Lord handed Goliath over to David. The Father hands sin and death to Jesus. But I want to bring it back to this psalm. Because the fact is, Goliath seems to end, but that footprint that happened on Wednesday that I felt, you know, all the ants scurrying, that seems to be present, right? That those, those things, those setbacks keep happening. The giant fell, but also the giant's keep happening. They, they just are there. And so we're sort of stuck in this in-between. We are people who still dabble in fear. And I'm not the only one, right? Like we are people who still dabble with this ancient wor- anxious worry. We are people that still scurry off into directions. You don't let people know that you're struggling. You don't let people, you think that your struggle will actually hurt your ability to come closer. Like all of these things keep us away. And then Psalm 9 comes on the scene. All right. I'm really excited. If you want to turn, you can hold your finger there. We're about to open it up. But we get that this story of David and Goliath foreshadows the coming king. We get that it's Christ, what he later does on the, on the cross. But the reality is like a giant still lands itself in our life every day. We still face fear and we still hear the chance. And so I just will come to see that the psalm is a beautiful way to respond when this happens. The psalm is a beautiful way to pause, to take a, you'll hear this, a little inventory of what we're reacting to, responding to, what we're thinking like, and then we can decide to act differently. It's that simple. That's why I have, I mean, this is a very simple yet powerful action. When we actually take an inventory on how we've been acting, how we've been responding, how we've been believing, how, what we're giving glory to, and then we sing Psalm 9. We decide a different praise. Honestly, this needs to happen when we're in fear. And so the psalm reads this way, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. What I should have done, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., I give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. The anxious ones that I'm worried, the anxious ones that I feel like you are discouraged by God, that you are angry with God because I haven't figured it out on my own. You know, all of those, like, I don't, with my whole heart, I will give thanks. The, the parts of me that I wish were better, the parts of me that I, that I wish would, would submit, I, I just, I will give thanks with my whole heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. So I'm going to tell of the wonderful deeds of that foot. I'm not going to complain about what this is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, some of you are complaining a little bit about what's going on in the world. There's a way to be aware of what's going on in the world and still declaring of the wonderful deeds of the Father. Be careful. All right, we're going. Uh, I will be glad, he says, and I will exult in you. I will exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turned back, when that Philistine turned back, when he, came, when he was walking away because I was a little boy, but I mad-mouthed him and he came back. When my enemies turned back. They stumbled and perished before you. When that temptation, I have stories in my life when a temptation just kept trying to come back, but I watched it fall because I leaned on the Lord. Anyone else? These are the moments when that came back and I watched it end. 
I will praise you for it because it fell before you. Because I realized that it's not me and the temptation in the room. It's me and my father in that temptation in the room. It's me and my savior in that temptation. And, and it fell before you for you have maintained my just cause. You have set on the throne giving righteous judgment. And it's so beautiful. Now, what I need to realize is when you wake up and you are late and you're angry, and you think that already the day is like a foot. The Father is already maintaining your, your just cause. That's the beautiful thing. He's already sustaining your day. He's already allowing you to stand firm. He's, already, he's at any moment, at any place, the Father maintains our just cause, the cause of our life. He, if I'm breathing, it's because he's maintained it. If I'm, if I'm here and smiling, it's because he's maintained it. Now, this is the pause that we all have to do because fear will do this, but this, it's a pause and a focus. If I'm here, it's because he's maintained it. If our church is here, if there are people still even to run away, it's because the Father has maintained it. He's maintained the cause of this church. He's maintained the cause of his kingdom. And so we will worship him for it. It's a beautiful reminder that even like when the giant strikes, the Lord's maintaining. That even when the foot comes, the Lord's maintaining. David isn't the one maintaining it. That's what it, like, David's not maintaining the order. He comes out and he watches the Lord end it. It's beautiful. We don't have the path. We don't have to maintain it. The Father does. And so my role, this is what I love, like this whole, this whole psalm will really separate, and some of us, we need to do this often. We like to put ourselves in the role of the Father or the Lord. Uh, we like to do our, put ourselves in the role of the problem solver. We like to put ourselves in the role of the oppressed too, too soon, too quick. We like to put ourselves in a role of anything else, but this psalm really says my role is to give thanks. My role is to tell. My role is to sing praise. My role, and then it says the Father's role is to make enemies stumble. The Father's role is to maintain my cause. The Father's role is to sit on his throne and judge righteously. And so we, you start to separate what is the role and what, if I'm doing something that isn't my role, then whoo, I'll take a step back. Many of the times I, I had a coffee with someone. Maybe he's watching this. It was really good. He said, he told me to stop doing the things that are not my role. And I'm like, well, that's easier said than done. He's like, no, you, you, have, you probably have too many things that are listed under your role. Let the Lord do what is the Lord's, right? Let the Lord do what is the Lord's. He's maintained your just cause. You know, like he's maintaining your path, like not all the things of what you think it should be. And so the Israelites are trying a lot of things. When David comes on, they've already armed themselves for battle, and they think they're going to make it. The scriptures say that, that they walk up to the field ready to battle the Philistines, and then once again, the giant comes like he did daily, and all of them run away. And David's like, whoa, 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 and they're like running past him. What is happening? And it's a, Scripture literally says all of them were ready. They had the war cries. They're singing the, the worship. They're, 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 they're singing it, and then the giant comes, and they run. And it's this imagery of how complacent our assembly can be when something fearful happens right? Like, and, and David's just like, whoa, why, why are you running past? 
I've seen it too many times. I don't want to be around people either when I'm afraid. Like, I don't want to be around people either. But it's not about that. He's maintained my cause, so I will sing praise to his name. So I will keep going forward. And so the story continues, but I'll tell you what David is singing is a little bit different. We got to run to Thanksgiving. You want to take a little note down, like this is what the Israelites are doing versus David. Where we run will always determine how we speak. Like hands down, where we run to when the giant falls, when the giant comes, his foot falls, where we run to will determine how we speak. And and I see this like uh, the story. I, it's too long, so I'll just point out some of it for you, okay? It's too long to read right now. You read it at home, please. But when the, the giant came, people ran to discouragement. It says that early on. They withdrew constantly. They thought they were strong. They put on other things. But then the, the giant came, they ran, and they spoke another word. Literally, this is the words that they told to David. He comes, and they say, it's here to defile us. It's here to defile us. And I'm like, the people of God cannot be defiled if they are hand in hand with the king, right? The people of God cannot be defiled by man. The church cannot be shaken, right? The people of God, but their, their run has determined their speech, And so that has the power now to change me. Oh, my father has the power to change me. Does this make sense? Like where we run to will determine how we speak. And how we speak starts, that is the bad theology, right? How we speak starts communicating the bad theology of our fears. Like it does. And and this is not true. When David comes, he finds some of them, and then he's ready to take his, his stand, but others are not, and they run away. It's interesting, uh, he runs to his brothers, and they misunderstand him. They run to his brothers, and like, you just want to see the fight. That's what they say. You just want to see the bloodbath, David. You're so immature. You just want to see the bloodbath. You just want to watch the fight. And David's like, actually, no, like, here's your lunch. I came to feed you. Uh, that's what his dad sent him to do, is to feed them. Uh, and I just, how many times do you get angry at the, the father and just say, you just want to watch me fail? Like, and we just point, we get mad. You, you, we misunderstand God's presence with us. You just want these bad things to happen. You just, uh, apparently, like, you don't see this. You just want it. And the father's like, no, I came close to feed you. Came close to feed you. And if you notice me, I'll deliver you. Uh, if you know, if you see me, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you notice me, like all, this is what the beauty of what is happening. But when we run, it starts determining our, our speech. We assume the worst in things. His brothers were assuming the worst in him. Some of you are assuming the worst in God. You're assuming the worst in the church. You're assuming church hurt is a very dangerous thing because it makes you assume the worst of the people of God. And when we assume the worst of the people of God, how we speak is one of blasphemy. You, we, we, we taint God's bride. Can we do that? No. So stop trying to. Like, she's beautiful. If we just choose to praise him for making her, for providing her, 
for bringing her. If we just choose to praise him for the opportunity to be a part of her. Does that make sense? Like, it's just, there's a whole mind shift that we have to do it, but it continues, right? He comes into Saul's, uh, Saul's present, and Saul says, you can't do this. You're but a little kid. And sometimes we run so far away in anger that we're like, God, you can't do this. You're just not strong enough. Like, God, you can't do this. You see, everywhere we run will determine our speech. Every time we run somewhere else, we'll say, you're not able. But I love this because it continues. Uh, We're going to go back to the psalm. Psalm 9, verse 5. It says, but you, Father, you have rebuked the nations. You've destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. And the enemies have vanished in everlasting ruins. That's your role. The cities you have rooted out. The very memory of them has perished, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. What this is doing right now is saying, if another giant comes, I will remember of all the giants that you've destroyed, and I will remember that they are temporary and you are forever. So Wednesday morning, when that happens again, like I will remember, no, this is temporary. You are eternal. The giant will fall. Another one will come. They are temporary. You are eternal. The Lord sits enthroned forever. This is a praise. You're running. What are you running to? The God who's eternal. And it continues. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with equity. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. I'll call it another brother who I, I, I talked with. So I'm trying to just mirror something to you. Whenever I go through something, I promise you I will never do it alone. That's like one thing I learned really early when my mom died in high school. I could not handle that grief alone. And so I had like five, six men. If you feel you, you wish that I would have texted you, come up and I'll text you too. All right, I don't care. You're like, why didn't you text me? Because uh, my head was hurting. Uh, <laughs> so I texted and one of the guys said, uh, he said, the Lord is, and he had no idea. I had no idea that this is what this psalm would say. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. When those ants go, it's not, you're not the stronghold for the oppressed. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. He, the Lord is. And then I open this up, and I'm like, oh, he's the refuge for the oppressed. I know that. I know that. But I think we also don't run to the Lord as if he's the refuge for the oppressed. We don't claim him to be that. And so if the foot happened behind you, you're like, well... They're over there living their life again. No. Can you remind them that he is the stronghold? Like he is the refuge? Like that's a job of those who are on this side of the foot. Like it's a job of those who are on this side. Like he, the Lord is the refuge for the oppressed. He is close. He's near to the brokenhearted, right? Scripture says he is, he is a refuge for our times of trouble. And so it's just, it's a beautiful thing when we realize that we have a God that we can run to. But it's a scary thing when we keep thinking we have to run somewhere, do something else in order to draw to the God, in order to draw near to him. It's not how it is. There's this call to come back, right? Sing praise as it continues. Like those who know your name, they put their trust in you. 
For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And then he looks, I, I can imagine uh, David like looking again onto the assembly, the group of people. This is the moment in a song where we all do it together really well, like sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zylon, like de- declare his deeds among the people. This is this, this mighty thing that we're doing together. For he avenges the blood. He who does it is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. He is present, a present God. There's this call to come back. And what I love is when the story seems to end and the giant falls, Israel is in one accord running a straight line. And it's really cool. They are going after the Philistines. When the giant falls, All of the Israelites who were insecure, who were afraid, who were like, I'm not going, we're going to die. He's going to offer our bodies. Like our bodies are going to be like to the birds. All of the things that the giant was chanting, the moment the giant fell, all of Israel banded together and ran forward. It's this beautiful imagery of what the church does when we realize the refuge is not over there. It's here. It's with the Father. It's with the Lord. When we take ownership of uh, our role, but also claim the Father's the one that makes the enemies fall. He's delivered it to us, our hands. And so we will go forward. And it's beautiful because then there's this great reversal of their actions. If you want to read this story later, you should. Because after the giant falls, you start seeing a few things. Men who only knew how to fear began celebrating. Women are like playing music and and they're dancing and they're chanting like people, brothers who knew only how to assume the worst. They began to hope. They yelled their brother's name. Some of you only assume the worst of the father and you need to start shouting, my God did that. Like, there's a change, a reversal. People who lived with this, like, scarcity mindset, like, we don't have enough, there's never enough, I got to just be there, I have to strive and do enough, they're now plundering. Because when the Lord has, is victorious, right? When the Lord has victory, there's always some good plunder. Like, there's always things that he has. And so you see the people plundering the Philistine army. They're getting goods. They're eating. You see, it keeps going, though. Those who did not know how to stop thinking... Me, they began to rest and praise. Those who were worried are now singing. Like those who lost their way, found the direction. They see everyone running forward. They're like, and they run forward. Like everyone who only knew how to battle. This is what I love. You see at this very end, beautiful picture. We see a Jonathan and David. Little, little cool, powerful, brotherly thing. This is really neat. Did you know that Jonathan had fought the Philistines for years and years and years and years and years and years and and to no avail, the giant came into that. And we see a man who knew only how to battle, see the Lord's anointed and give him his armor. And he lays down a man who only knew how to battle now is saying, I will, I will follow you. My soul is connected to you. Like this is I will, where you go, I will go. Uh, that's the most beautiful imagery of like the New Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. Like it says Jonathan loved him like it was, it was his own soul. And so it, 
people who only know to battle, you have those mindsets where you just fighter, you're a fighter, you're a fighter, and it's gotten you into problems. As we praise the Lord, as we constantly, he will shape and men will set down their things and not respond that way anymore. And in that place, David was able to excel because of Jonathan. It's just this beautiful imagery that happened. And so as we end, like band, you guys can come on up. Uh, normally, I've got my nice little iPad, so I know what time it is. So I'm sorry if this was, this was chaos long. But what I do know is there comes to a point when we actually have to take an inventory of like our heart. Uh, so a couple of things that I want to do, and I want to act like we're in a counseling session. I love counseling people. It's, it's nice. Uh, it's nice. It's fun. It's a one-on-one kind of thing. But here we are, one-on few. And uh, when I said a foot came, some of you very quickly, some of you slowly, gradually, but got there, something came into your mind that was present for you. That foot happened. That thing has happened. Some of you, that thing happened years ago and you still have not moved on from it. You still have not given the glory to the Lord in it. And so as I am talking now, I need you to bring that back up. Because there are some things that you've ascribed to that foot, that you've given worthiness to that foot to be a part of you, a part of your journey, part of your life, that 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 David and Goliath story, David is not who he is because of Goliath. David is who he is because of the Lord, way before. And so I, you've ascribed so much to this foot. And so practically, I would talk about your relationship with this foot. I need you to think about it practically. How much of your day is because of that foot? How much of your insecurities are because of that thing? Have you noticed that the father is more present than that stomp was? All, this is the active inventory that we do. How can you change your speech because you're not running because of the foot away? You're running because of the father to him. You're not, you know, like that's the difference. David was not afraid of Goliath, not because he was stupid, but because he said, this is not at odds against me. It is standing against God. And there's no match. So that foot is, that problem, that fear, that anxiety, that setback, that relational pain, all of those things, that, 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 that burden, it is not there against you. Realize that it's against God and realize that he can kill it. And so I'm not running to leave it. I'm running to be with my father. Because then where I run will determine how I speak. And some of you need to start saying like, Philistine, you're going to be, you're going to be fed to the birds temptation, you're about to be fed to the birds. Like this fear, you're about to be fed to the birds because I'm not running away from you. I'm running to the father who can feed you to the birds. It changes. And honestly, like 
He's the refuge. So stop trying to make one. So God, in this place right now, I just pray that as we sit and worship, that this won't just be another lip service song that is an outpouring of an immature, an immature theology. But God, we will sing praises to your name because you have maintained my just cause. I have memories of when my temptations turned back and I watched them fall because I said, no, I don't have to. I have the power to say no to sin. Father, you're going to feed some things to the birds today. I believe it. I believe it. There's going to be a release of some people to be able to worship you because you're not the God who they always assume the worst of. You're the God that they keep praising because they've seen the best from. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.